While other fish are relegated to the vast oceans, lakes, and rivers that cover 70% of the planet, some decided that it wasn't enough room. Bent on total global domination, the Atlantic mudskipper wants to be where the people are. By using its mighty pecs to drag itself onto land, the skipper slaps its way out of the waves and into our hearts, as one of the only voluntary fish out of water here in life, death and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I am Joe. And I'm Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube or on Spotify. And thank you to Brian for the creation of this week's artwork. To check it out, you can follow us on Facebook or Twitter or visit us at our home on the web at deltytaxonomy.com. And today we're talking about a slimy yet satisfying frog froggish fish but more on that later didn't those bugs in lion king just look delicious they did there's a lot of foods in movies that look delicious but then when you're a child and when you think about it you're just like no it wouldn't be tubby custard although now it looks like pepto-bismol to me i have i have not seen a picture or video of tubby custard in a very long time but I'm sure. Let me. I'm gonna look it up. Maybe it's. Maybe it's delectable now. Oh no. <laughs> oh no. It's not good. Oh, that's bad. <laughs> it's so bad. I forgot about the um, the sentient robot that sucks it up at, at the end. The what about the the ratatouille in? That still ratatouille. Look, that still looks good. Um, to a degree, but it doesn't look like world-changing good like the movie treats it. It's just a bunch about, of like salami and vegetables, right? Stacked on each other, and you can eat it in one bite. Like, can't be that good. Probably cost him like $70 for that meal. That food buffet that that weird smoke mask monster eats in Spirited Away? Oh, the oh, No Face? Yeah. Yeah, that looks pretty good. I've seen that movie a lot. But yeah, we are, um, we're not talking about, um, smoke-faced monsters, um, or bugs, or tubby custard. Uh, we're talking about the, well, what are we talking about, actually? This is your, this is your shtick. No one knows. Okay, I guess. We are talking. Let's just shoot the breeze. About the Atlantic Mudskipper. Mudskippers in general, but the Atlantic Mudskipper, um has a cool binomial nomenclature and also was this is a specific uh, recommendation by none other than my mom <laughs> occasionally she'll uh, text me and say hey this is a pretty cool animal you should you guys should do this so I'm like yes and I add it to the list and here we are interesante that's a good uh, idea yeah so if you have a uh, animal recommendation, Feel free to email us uh, at uh, ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. And if we can find a cool superpower for it, we'll add it to the list. Uh, or if we haven't already done it. That's also... Um, but yeah, so it's, this is the Atlantic Mudskipper, but 
we're going to call it here. Uh, Mud Skipper of the First Fleet, which is what Brian called it in when he uh, sent us the, the art. Um, and uh, also call it Mud Skippity Dude. <laughs> this, is <a> dumb, <laughs> this is a dumb one. Um, and Pelvic Power Pecs, which I'll go into more later. Interesting. Um, or Power Pack Presentation. That's also a good one. How about you taxonomize this? How about you give us exactly one science, please? One science coming up hot and ready. Mm. Right. Can you drizzle it with some Tuffy custard? <laughs> of course. <laughs> Drench it, actually. I've, I've, I, like, I like my science drenched in Tuffy custard. The kingdom is you, one that you know, love, and are in. The kingdom Animalia. Yes. The phylum is Chordata. Also, yes. The class is, I think we know this at this point, Actinopterygy, bony fish. Bony fish. Actinopterygy. This is is one that every time I spell it out without looking, I'm surprised that I get it right. And I can't, but I also can't spell receipt right the first time ever. So. Recipt. But is it receipt? Or receipt? Anyway. I'm just surprised I get this one right. Actinopterygy. The order is gobiforms or gobiformes. Gobiformi. It's a it's a goby fish. We've covered the goby fish and how it climbs up walls and stuff like that in in waterfalls. Check it out. It sure do do that. And then the family is oxuduracei. Oh no 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 no. Oxudersidae. Oxudersidae, yeah, that, that that makes sense. And then the species is, or the genus rather, is Periophthalmus. P-H-T-H. Oh my goodness. Phthalmus. Periophthalmus. The embassy. Ah, Skyrim reference. <laughs> But you just have to put uh, an F in the front of it. Phthalmus. Yeah. The species is Barbarus, so that is Periophthalmus Barbarus. What a goofy word. <laughs> I mean, Barbarus is fine. But speaking of uh, the words you just said, uh, it's time for my favorite part of the show, nitty gritty nomenclature. Oh. Uh, because it's a fish, a group of them is a school. We know this, but in this game, Nitty Gritty Nomenclature, this is the part of the show where I ask you, Joe, a question, and this question is not the same every time. Um, this time, it's what is the meaning of the binomial nomenclature, which is periophthalmus barbarous. Um, it's Greek. I'll give you that. And... Uh, here are your options. Does periophthalmus barbarous mean A, around foreign eyes? B, bearded semi-brain? C, savage eyesight? Or D, spiked dorsal fin? I'm going to go with D, spiked dorsal fin. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Incorrect. The answer is around foreign eyes. So it's perio means around. Uh, thalmus, 
it means eyes, apparently. And then barbarous is foreign. So it's that's the where you get the word barbarian. It doesn't mean uh, a savage or unsophisticated person. It just means a foreigner. <laughs> <laughs> it's like the Gentile version of people from outside. Yeah, there's us, and then there's barbarians. <laughs> That's it. It's the only, only, only two types of people in this world. In the in the Roman, to Romans, right? It was Romans and barbarians. Yeah, I guess they called them like the barbarian races and things like that. But this is a Greek word, so. But the Romans took a lot from the Greeks, including a lot of their language. So, but yeah, very true. It's uh, it has to do with the fact that its eyes are very different. In comparison to other fish, um, you don't e- say. Even other goby fish. Speaking of that, would you like to hear a description? I sure would, even though I already know what it looks like. Okay. So the mudskipper is a frogish-faced fish, and it has a body that tapers down to the tail, so it's teardrop-shaped, long teardrop-shaped. Mm-hmm. Um, the mud skipper has bulging frog-like eyes on the top of their head. Like you mentioned, that's pretty pretty strange. Yeah, a f- I mean, usually fish have giant eyes, kind of sunk or like at least level um, with the rest of their bodies and located on either side of their head, uh, so that they can kind of get a a good view of everything that's around them. But these are, these look exactly like a uh, frog, frog face is exactly, um, froggish face is what, how I would describe them as well. Uh, what was the, the red lipped batfish? They sort of had a similar head, right? Yeah. And they, their locomotion is kind of similar. Just in is different it, that, environments. Is that, was that what it really is called? Red lipped. Yeah. The red lipped batfish. Yeah. We covered that. A while ago. Uh, they also have strong, but small, but strong pectoral fins. They have a large dorsal fin that's followed by a smaller fin ray, which is the name of. Uh, that's the uh, the the romantic coupling of yes the names yeah. of uh, the Star Wars protagonists, like Brangelina. <laughs> uh, they also uh, come in a mottled brown. In varying, in varying shades. They also have black or white speckles all over their backs. So it's a, it, it's, it looks like it's your typical brown, brown to black to tan fish. It's, it ain't no reef fish. But since, since we're talking about description, would you like to know how big it is? If we must. If we must. Welcome to the Beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show, the part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send in an audio of yourself saying, saying you're chittering. The words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We don't have a new measure up intro this week. I feel like you just read me the long list of side effects of like a restless <laughs> leg syndrome uh, medication. I feel like while you're while you're saying that, I should be looking at like a a grandfather like pushing his grandchild on a swing set on a sunny day, and laughing. <laughs> yeah, where where you're hearing the most heinous things in the world, but uh, <laughs> could some, cause your eyes to fall fun. out. Please ask your doctor if you like your eyes. And the whole time is just like 
they're just walking along the beach and feeding a bird and painting a picture and just look out look how much you're loving life don't listen to what you're hearing (laughs) we don't have a new measure of intro but we do have some mail mail not like email uh electronic mail oh they have that these days yeah uh from i think jennifer based on some things who says to please 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 do a tanuki that sounds familiar jennifer i think also says it would also be great to have episodes about common animals like raccoons and opossums who are extremely interesting and have eligibility for critter groups. Tanuki. Tanuki yeah. is the, Good. it's like a Japanese raccoon. Yep. That's, you can, that's, you can become one as you can put on a suit of one in Mario two. That's two? where I've heard it. Um, yeah, it was in the Mario th- uh, 3d world. You put on the Tanuki suit. Awesome. Uh, yeah. Oh, and oh, yeah, we do try to sprinkle in some like well-known animals. I think what we did the hippo last last week. Yeah. Uh, and there's usually just so much great info about them that it's just like it's like low-hanging fruit. So we're going to space it out. But the tanuki is a great option. Tanuki has been added to the list. Raccoons might be interesting just to talk about what are they? <laughs> How are they so good at surviving in so many different types of areas? They're like adorable mammal versions of cockroaches. They're very adaptable. Yes. And they can, they, they're, they're, they live great in cities. Um, they're rats with better PR. Yeah. By being cute. Yeah. It really helps to be cute, uh, for, uh, anyone to really care about you. <laughs> oh, just take, so take, sad, take that true. life life advice and just uh tuck that away in your back pocket <laughs> uh without further ado the listeners favorite part of the show <laughs> that is almost an ex are when you did, stub your toe did you record uh me trying to feed my one-year-old <laughs> that's what, what are you feeding him that's the sounds he makes when he's bored and doesn't want to eat anymore get him better food i've given him yogurt he likes yogurt but then eventually <laughs> he just decides i'm done eating i'm gonna roar at you instead how do you like that <laughs> he says ow <laughs> and then he makes uh, a weird smile at me and then i know it's it's it, we're done it's we're done eating Oh, so he he's trolling you. He's I I I prefer to think of it as him communicating to me that oh okay, I'm full. Thank you, thank you, Father. But he makes that noise instead. <laughs> uh, well, what was that? Was it a a snow leopard? B a coyote? A C a, a coyote. Uh, an impala? A coyote. Uh, a D or D uh, Binturong. Binturong, you may remember from our like episode five. Yeah, the bear cat. It smells like popcorn. Um, 
Wow, I have no idea. Probably not an Impala, but the other three are strong contenders. Snow Leopard, Coyote. I'll rule out Coyote, I guess. It's Binturong and Snow Leopard. I guess I'll go with Binturong. Final, Final answer. answer. Yes. That is incorrect. Ah, I was it's on a a streak. Snow Leopard. I think I. Oh, I was. Uh, I was between the two. Uh, I'm on a streak. I was. I was on a streak. I had like the last two or three. Correct. I thought this was a slam dunk. Why? I don't know. I don't. I don't listen to Snow Leopards. Um, snow Leopards are famously. I listen to Snow Patrol. Big cats that cannot. They're they're related to tigers, but they cannot roar. That's hmm. the sound they make. I used to see a uh, snow leopard at the Jacksonville Zoo. But it's not there anymore. Hope it's not okay. cold enough. Uh, let's talk length. The mudskipper is 16 centimeters or 6.3 inches. How many mudskippers go into the length of the Kwanzaa River in Angola? Kwanzaa River. Is it spelled? It's spelled three different ways, one of which is like the holiday. Here's a hint. In 2016, Oscar Scafidi and Alfred Weston from the UK achieved the world record fastest time to travel the length of the river in a kayak, which took 32 days and 12 hours. Is that right? Kind of helps. That's so a lot. It's incredibly a lot. It's so much a lot. I used to, I, wa- I used to watch this guy um, make Magic the Gathering arena decks, and he would always say, "Wow, that's a little bit a lot" in a <laughs> Russian accent. Um. All right. I'm actually going to use your hint for probably the first time ever as a as a base. I'm going to assume that my guess is that you can uh, 50 miles going downstream in a kayak in a day seems manageable. So times 32 days, that's 1,600 miles. Um, and then um, 16 million go, uh, Six. fish. 16 million mudskippers go into the length of this river. 16 million mudskippers, final answer. Yes. The correct answer was six million. Oh, these guys went slow. It's a kayak. I'm, I'm. I have no idea how far you could go in a kayak in one day. Maybe it's a slow-moving river. Maybe they're going upstream. That would be nuts. <laughs> uh, the river was about six hundred miles. Uh. Nine hundred and sixty kilometers. You know, it's funny. I like before you said your your um, hint. I was going to go with about 600 miles as just like a shot in the dark. Shouldn't have used the hint. And then I was like, oh, well, you know, 32 days in a kayak. Yeah, I shouldn't have used the hint. <laughs> uh, let's talk weight. There's 0.5 to 63, 65.3 grams. Okay. In uh, freedom units, please. It's 2.2 ounces. Okay. I can work with that. So how many mudskippers go into the weight of the volume of diamonds produced by the by Angola in 2019? I can't work with that. <laughs> um, so you just got to convert. Got to guess the carrot. Carrots. 
and then convert it to grams. Um, is carrot carrot's weight? I thought it was purity. Carrot with a K is gold purity. Carrot with a C is the weight of a diamond. Huh. They didn't mention that in the movie Blood Diamond. Well, here's a hint. Angola is rich in natural resources like diamonds and oil, but it's also one of the worst places in the world for malnutrition. They had a childhood mortality rate of 74.7 deaths per 1,000 live births in 2019. The same year, the world average was 38 per 1,000. It's about a little less than double. Part of the reason for that is uh, deep government corruption. It's the it's a sad and similar story across lots of countries. So it's the uh, the weight of the diamonds in one year. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'll go with a, a ton. That that may be uh, pitifully low or obnoxiously large, but we'll go with it. Okay. Um, so 14,500 goby fish, or, um, sorry, mud skippers, which are goby fish, but mud skippers go into the weight of all the diamonds Angola produces in a year or fines. They don't, I don't think they produce them. Final answer. Yep. The correct answer, which I just had to, I forgot to write down the carrots, but the correct answer is 27,871 mud skippers. Oh, I mean, at least I had the same number of digits. So. Yeah, that that they produce 9.1 million carrots. How many is that in tons? Pff, I don't know. Looks like they, it's probably about like 3,500 pounds. Two U.S. tons. Okay, 4,000 pounds. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's quite a lot. Pretty rich. You'd think so. Let's talk fast facts before we get into the major fact. The mud skipper, uh, you may have guessed, is native to West Africa. In countries like Angola, the Democratic Republic of the Congo, Cameroon, and Ghana, mud skippers enjoy mangrove swamps and tidal flats, which means... If you let one go in Florida, it would probably have a great time and become a huge problem. <laughs> I'm surprised it hasn't happened already. They are <laughs> unable to hibernate in bur- they are they are able. Why would I talk about something they're not able to do? <laughs> there are also unless, they, unless uh, everyone can. Uh, they're they're they able are to also hibern- unable of uh, unable to do taxes. They're unable to fly around. Uh, they're unable to give you sound. Um, a really satisfying high five. <laughs> right, right. I don't know the- if any fish could. It might be this one. It's sure. although it's a high one to them. <laughs> sure. <laughs> so they're able to hibernate in burrows during cold seasons. Sometimes their burrows can get low on oxygen and they will gulp fresh air and replace the air in their burrows. Isn't that fun? I, I, I do the same when there's <laughs> not a lot of air in, in my house. It's just really ineffective. Yeah, it takes a while. These frogs, frogfish, well, not frogfish with a space, because I think there's also a frogfish with no space, which these are not, are carnivorous and enjoy the way of the ambush predator. Like other fish, they use the move hydrodyna- hydrodynamic tongue. Okay, so 
I just looked up frogfish and we need to cover the frogfish. <laughs> anyway, continue. So talk talk to us about this hydrodynamic tongue. Hydro, hydrodynamic tongue is when a fish uses water suction to pull in prey to their mouths. Uh, if done right, no can defend. True, true. Which is kind of true unless you're eating one of the many things that in the ocean that have horrible, horrible defense mechanisms for the attacker. Or they, so those would be very good defense mechanisms. Yeah, very good. Horrible as in full of horror. True. They are able to retain moisture with a mucus that covers their entire body. Same. <laughs> it's called sweat. But that's all I got for that. Do you have any interesting big facts? I do. This major fact is called a fish out of water. Uh, so oh, the frogfish. I remember this guy. Do you? I'd never heard of it before, but it looks it- nuts. If you find any animal that's slightly orange and you type it into Google Images, there will be a, f- a picture of Donald Trump next to this fish or animal. It's people's <laughs> You're favorite so thing. Right. <laughs> this one's not bad, though. <laughs> this one's, I mean, it's not, it's not uncanny, but I, I can see it. It's got, it's, I mean, it's also paired with like the hair or like the ridges. Anyway, we'll do the frogfish some other, <laughs> someday. <laughs> we'll add it to the list. Um, so anyway, this major fact is called the fish out of water, which is a phrase that's typically uh, used for being out of your element. But for fish, it usually means soon to be dead. Um, but the mud skipper is very good at not being dead when it's out of the water. Um, in fact, it re- regularly uh, lugs its tiny little body out of the water and onto the mud to find food and presumably muddier pastures um they actually spend the majority of daytime on land which is just a very odd thing for a fish because they're these are not the only fish that that can go on land uh we i think we mentioned it um in the uh bullseye snakehead episode episode 50 was it 50th uh 50th uh episode so it can't go on land to go to other canals and things like that but it definitely doesn't spend the majority of its time on land which is uh which is the case for the mud skipper and you might be asking don't fish have gills can't they only really get like oxygen out of water how wouldn't they just flop pathetically to their deaths if you put them on land uh and it's Uh, It's yes, yes, and no to those questions. Uh, Yes, it has gills, and yes, it does need to need water and water can't even talk in order to breathe, Uh, so it cannot dry out. This is this is similar to the woodlouse, which is another animal we've covered. It's a um, crustacean that lives on land and breathes using gills, uh, but it and. I don't want to ruin it. I don't want to ruin the surprise. Um, but it does it does have gills and it's on land. So it's a very similar situation. The, uh, the mud skipper has the ability to actually close its gill chambers. And what that does is it traps water inside for a convenient breathing snack on the go. So before going to work in the morning, the mud skipper will pack a lunch of breathing juice. 
and it'll come out of the water and always have that just in reserve. Uh, but it also has another ability uh, called cutaneous respiration, uh, which confused a lot of kids when they were playing Pokemon, and that was a weird ability to have. Um, but no, cutaneous respiration, as the name suggests, is uh, skin breathing. Uh, just it, like you said, it has a mucus over the skin, which traps water um, inside between the mucus and the skin, and it can absorb oxygen from that uh, layer of water. It's kind of like a like a wetsuit. Uh, if when you wore a wetsuit, you absorb the oxygen that was in the water. So um, while it spends most of its day on land, the a mudskipper, like it has to be moist land. It can't be the uh, Gobi Desert, pun intended. <laughs> um, it's all it's almost always skipping across very moist surfaces like moss, mangrove roots, and you guessed it, mud or silt. Fair. Fair. Um, so it can always do a good bit of skin breathing when it needs to um, or replenish its breathing juice supplies in its gills. Um, and that's so the, so it has the ability to trap water in its gills. It also has the ability to breathe through its skin. And lastly, it has a third way. Uh, it can also gulp air into its mouth. Uh, I think you mentioned, yeah, you mentioned that it gulps air and fills its dens with air, but it can also breathe with, like this um, because the inside of its mouth is lined with blood vessels that are set very close to the surface of the skin and can absorb oxygen through the air. So it has three uh, backup, three, three systems for uh, being on land for a good portion of the day but it does require it to be moist ground. So it can breathe on land uh, because of its hole control and special skin, but how can it move around? Don't fish tend to like flop around pretty helplessly? Uh, yes, but these don't. Thanks to a pair of specialized pectoral fins, you know, the ones on the fish's sides, the ones that it uses to, to steer, um, as well as another pair of pelvic fins near the, near the fishing hips. Um, it can move on land using a conjunction of these two. The pectoral fins are actually fused together, uh, which creates a kind of... Uh, sorry, not the pectoral fins. The pelvic fins um, are fused together. These are the ones on the bottom of the fish. Um, and this creates a kind of suction cup uh, that allows the mud skipper to climb up rocks. And goby, other goby fish have this uh, similar pectoral fin situation. allows them to stick to things. Um, but when, if you watch a video of a mud skipper, mud skipping, um, it kind of looks like a, a, like the way a, a chimpanzee might move. So chimps have their short legs and then their long arms. And so they'll put their long arms on the ground and then they'll swing their, their, uh, short arms legs from side to side. Come on everybody. Let's do the Mario. No. I don't want to do the Mario, and you can't make me. Not this time. I know it was in my last contract, but I made sure it wasn't in this one. Um, but uh, yeah, they so they swing their legs. Yeah, they swing their legs forward, um, and then move their arms forward and legs forward, and so it's kind of this vertical seesaw motion. And so that's this is what the mud skipper does. It'll take its pe its large pectoral fins. 
um, and place them on the ground in front of it and then move its little pelvic cup things um, forward and then kind of just scooch forward uh, using this motion, this alternating motion. Um, and uh, it can also use its tail if it needs to book it to allow it to move a little faster. And it'll also help it jump if it ever needs to jump to catch prey um, or to escape being prey or to, to kind of jump from one area to the next. So it's a, it's a fish that purposefully jumps on land, which is crazy. It's like when Magikarp learns bounce. You're like, what? But it does. <laughs> uh, and and that's that's all I got for the mud skipper. You got anything else? That's all I got. What a, what a good uh, land fish. Yeah, it's probably probably the best land fish. It's the it's the fish that is most suited to be on land. It's an amphibious fish. The hibernation too could have been a, its own major fact because I did not know any fish might hibernated. Yeah, that's pretty crazy as well. So it's a good, it's a good, uh, good animal for this for the show for sure. But yeah, that was the Atlantic mudskipper, or just mudskippers in general. So for you out there in Podcastia, gulp some air, get out of your comfort zone, and. Work out your pecs like the mudskipper here in life, death, and taxonomy. Hey, taxonomy titans, thanks for listening to the episode. Just a few quick things. As always, reviews and social media engagement are greatly appreciated, but recommending the podcast to friends is the best way to help us grow. If you'd like some LDT-flavored merch, check out teespring.com stores taxonomy tees. That's it. Thanks for listening all the way to the end. That felt really short, but it is not. I'm clocking it at 38 minutes. Yeah. And there's not a lot of like banter to cut out. So.